This podcast is a product of the Hyper RPG Podcasting Network. Visit hyperrabbitpowergo.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Shift Podcast. We are the crew of Hyper RPG, and we are officially open for business. Minus one crew, Matt's gone for yeah, Thanksgiving whatever. festivities. I uh, can but speak plus for him. one crew, our newest crew. If you don't know, Malika is now the CEO of Hyper RPG. That I am. But wait a minute, Zach, weren't you the CEO of Hyper RPG? <laughs> <laughs> no, he has stepped aside to a new and more exciting role. Some might say step down. Stepped aside. It's, a, it's step an aside. Laterally. It's a, it's an aside. We I stepped aside. He's still laterally. taller than me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming, Malika, for and being on the show. Cool. Uh, should we just have you on every week now? We uh, the crew has expanded one. We well, might have to have five people on this show. You now. guys have to vet my an- question answering abilities. You know, it's it's pretty informal. We sure. just like to talk and, and and Well then maybe you guys, since I'm the CEO, will have to vet your question answering abilities. Oh. <laughs> wow. Mm. Already throwing that down, huh? Yeah. Already throwing that down. This show's probably not gonna last much longer. Is yeah, it? probably not. <laughs> uh so right off the bat, why don't we get directly into our weekly Opening questions. We're just going to go kind of down the line. Uh, Lucas, what are you playing? What have you been playing? Uh, okay, I haven't played anything since last week. Uh, I started the download of Warhammer 40K Mechanicus, which is a really cool uh, RTS-type Warhammer computer game. Uh, and it's Necrons, my boys, versus the Admex. Uh, it looks like that's it. Um, yeah, I'm it. super stoked to play it because it's one of the, like. It actually has got really good it's reviews. It's got very positive reviews on on Steam. Uh, everyone's saying this is like this is where Warhammer needs to be going. Uh, cool. So pretty stoked to be playing it, but I'm still having computer issues with my stupid desktop. So we'll see. Maybe I'll play it this weekend. Cool. Uh, what have I been playing? I downloaded and started playing Civilization. It's the very first Civilization game I've ever played Zach's i've never done that before um and i don't know if i will play it anymore next i was gonna say say goodbye to your life but apparently it's it didn't hook you well speaking of things that zach is playing he also taught me Keyforge over the weekend and we actually played it not on stream y'all are forging keys here a lot of fun i lost twice and then i stopped playing What's going on? Oh, that was an alert. Um, it doesn't appear that alerts were set up, so that was it's probably cool a resub or a sub or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, one of them. Very cool. One of them. Thanks for the resub or sub or whatever. Thanks for you. Mm-hmm. Whoever, wh- whoever and whatever that was. Okay, <laughs> so next, I guess. Wait, what's Keyforge? I don't, I don't know what it is. So it is a card game designed by the creator who made Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Also, our overlay is wrong. It's been a day. It's been a day. This this overlay, ignore it, right? You're listening to this for audio anyway. That's last week's overlay. I don't know if we can do meetings at 1 p.m. on Mondays anymore <laughs> if we're going to do this show, honestly. I think it's too... Uh, Why is the alert box open? It's not open. That's the thing. So how's that work? I don't know. I'm like then you've puzzled. got interesting. Then, then you've definitely got alerts coming in. I think in. we got ghosts in here. Yeah. That, I mean, then you've got alerts somewhere in your Wirecast project. That's the only way that. No, that's not a bug anymore. What? It's not. Mm-mm. 
I'm going to go fix some things. Okay, cool. Nine, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing uh, a lot of Red Dead, trudging through that game. It's really long. Uh, Wait, if you're playing a lot of Red Dead, does that just mean you look at the back of your horse's butt as it just kind of gallops it kind, through it kind of. I mean, it's, the American it's, West? It's, 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 it's a glorious butt because it's, it's uh, fully black. It's a black stallion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really nice horse, actually. Uh, but I mean... All the <laughs> models, including the horse butt, but you know the trees and yeah, the environment. Yeah, it's are, a very, very pretty game. Um, aside from that, I've also started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Here's, here's the thing about this game, Zelda. I I like it, but after playing games like Horizon and now Red Dead, it's um, it's very behind. Um, it's it doesn't feel like the world is full of life as opposed to right. Red Dead and Horizon. And I, I like Zelda, but it it's I don't think it's so far as good as you know, better uh some of these other open games. world yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I know these games, games came so you, after. You just got your Switch, right? Yeah, yeah. So you've been playing Zelda. I yeah. couldn't get into Zelda either after yeah. playing uh I picked up Zelda right after Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh or Horizon Zero Dawn, sorry. Right. Um and I felt like there was very little to do. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like it was a very zen game. Mm-hmm. But if I'm only going to pick up a game and play it for 30 minutes, I want to be able to get in, have some really good fun, and get out. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm just walking around. Yeah. All right, cool. Because they just kind of drop you in. I mean, they tell yeah. you what to do, sort of, but they kind of just let you figure it out at the yeah. same time. But, I mean, it, it's a it's a good game. It's just, it wasn't for me. Yeah. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. So. I'll beat it eventually, but I'm just not fully engaged to it yet. Yeah, so. I'm also the person that gave up on Civilization after two hours of playing it. Cause I was like, I'm five, done. two, oh, just oh. two. Okay. I played it for two hours. And I was like, I will probably never play this again. This is not my kind of game. Yeah, I know a lot of people that love Civ. I, li- I like Civ. Hello. Oh, welcome back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if I was never gone. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, All right. So, uh, next question: What are we? What are you watching? Right now, what have you been watching for the uh, last week? I'll start. I've been watching. <laughs> I finished Sabrina. It's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty satanic, and I'm all about it. But uh, <laughs> I started watching Big Mouth. Uh, I I watched like the first few episodes when it came out, and I wasn't really digging it. But I gave it another shot, um, and I was surprised that it, it's really good. Like, there's a lot of heart there that I didn't expect. I thought it was all just kind of vagina jokes and stuff. But it, it's more about like kids going through real real problems. One weekend, Bert was watching season two in his room, and we just heard really, really loud, loud cackling, laughing throughout the whole house the whole weekend. Cool. Yeah. It's <laughs> how we experience shows here at Hyper on the weekends. Bert. Through Bert's room. <laughs> <laughs> Is he here right now? Yeah, right. Oh, oh Bert's uh, back in his room there. Yeah. Um, I've been watching with Malika, so I, this is probably... I mean, both of ours. We've we Malika had never seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, so we've been never. watching Avatar: The Last Airbender. It. Oh, I had cable snap. when I was a Are kid. Are you loving it? It's interesting. Um, Zach said one of his favorite things about Avatar is the kind of it's very linear storytelling. This is the Book of Water. Hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder what that means. Right. Uh, chapter after chapter, but I uh, I really enjoy Zuko. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think w- he's awesome. Yeah, I was telling Zach like I love these 
Kylo Ren type characters because like I want there was this one part where he's having like an angry like <laughs> temper yeah like a temper uh, temper tantrum and he's just like huh, huh, and then he's just like spewing fire from like left and right and up and down and he's just like Mah! and it just reminded me you just of expected him at the very end of it to do this just like raise <laughs> yeah just like raise <laughs> his shoulders and lower them um, and it's pretty much just like when Kylo Ren is trying so hard to keep it together and be like menacing like Darth Vader, and then you realize he's taking his lightsaber to the control panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like those kind of characters too because it's like I think that it's time to have those sort of characters in that like why does a young guy have so much reason to be angry? Like you need to justify right. it. Why are they doing these awful things uh, besides just like – severe mental health issues mm-hmm. because I think that sometimes if you like take a step back it's sure. like, we just killed a very depressed man that mm-hmm. was, went on like a psychotic had a psychotic sure. episode or some sort of thing uh, but I feel like th- like Kylo Ren and Zuko are great examples of like let's show you how this is a real person right like give them yeah these temper tantrum moments and show them failing and stuff like that absolutely and they both those characters are so interesting because they both have poor coping mechanisms for you know (laughs) like i'm gonna throw fire yeah exactly (laughs) so and then you learn a little bit more about zuko's history that like his father also had poor coping mechanisms i'm gonna beat my son exactly so then (laughs) zuko is looking around for what is he gonna beat up yeah. Right, uh, Naeem, What have you been watching? Uh, I recently watched well, yesterday. Um, Tanea, she kind of convinced me to watch this movie on Netflix called uh, "The Ballad of Buster Scruggs." Oh yeah, and the new uh, Coen Brothers. Yeah, and it's pretty wait the new good. It came out. Yeah, yeah it's on it's Netflix. Really oh. good. It just dropped. <laughs> That's how they do shit. Oh. Now. Netflix really just drops shit. They're like, enjoy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We don't care. Oh. Yeah, it's really good. I I was taken aback by. I was like what the hell is going on? And then it kind of reminds me of like side missions that I deal with in Red Dead Mm -hmm. and uh, how wacky it can be. It's like four separate stories, right? Yeah, it's a bunch of different stories. Mm -hmm. It's really good. But it's all one movie. Yes, one movie. I'm not going to sleep this week. You should watch it. You you guys should watch it. It's it's really good. I don't want to say much about it. Just watch the movie. So good. All right. Uh, So now this can be music and or podcasts or audio books. What have you been listening to? Uh, so, last night, no, two nights ago, I was camping, and I had, I weirdly had really good cell service in this, this weird spot on the side of the mountains. Uh, yeah, you, you took over my stream. Yeah, if you were watching on, on Saturday, I <laughs> took over the Zach's stream and streamed from there for a bit. Uh, but I pulled up this podcast, I think it's called Crime Junkie, oh, um, yeah. and it was really good. I, I don't typically fall into the sort of, like, I don't, I don't know the right word for it, but, like, I don't want to get into weird words and make fun of people about it, but like I don't like over gratifying or like the uh, gratuitous like there's shows true like, crime podcasts often that, bug me. There's that one Netflix show that came out not too long ago that was literally it wasn't making a murderer, but it was like a show about serial killers and interviewing them. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable you giving them a platform. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, that, that stuff sort of often bugs me. And then sometimes podcasts, the hosts will be a little too into it in a like, Oh, so cool kind of way. And it's like, no, this is like, like we're fascinated because it's awful. But I felt like crime junkies did a really good job in, uh, it sort of just like felt like reporting of like, here's some stuff that you don't know about. Yeah. 
and it felt really sort of unbiased and interesting. So check it out. Okay. Um, I've been listening to uh, okay. So those that have watched Haunting of Hill House, um, Shirley Jackson is the original writer of that book. Um, you may know of her writing from the short story The Lottery that everyone had to read in high yeah, school. Yeah, I remember oh, that. Yeah. Okay, so she's a very like amazing writer. I'm currently listening to the audiobook of her novel um, uh, We Don't Live in a Castle Anymore, and it's really spoopy. It's really spoopy. Mm. I think Shirley Jackson writes some of the best ghost stories and great social commentaries on uh, like small-town communities and things like that, which all kind of comes around to what I've been researching lately. So what have you been listening to, Malika? Well... Now that I don't commute an hour to work and an hour back anymore, I haven't been listening to as many podcasts as I normally do, but I've been really focusing on more of um, like uh, CEO business and uh, female run in, business right? type of podcasts, right? So one of my favorites is How I Built This. And um, the last few episodes, they've really focused on uh, female founders and people of color, which I think is uh, amazing, very inspirational. And one of my uh, best friends from high school was actually chosen to go to the How I Built This podcast because she's a female-founded fashion brand. Mm. She's putting out designer pajamas. So I think that's really cool. And I've been really trying to connect myself to kind of the female founder, female entrepreneur, female CEO, business person network, because I think we can help each other. So I think that, who knows, maybe we'll do hyper RPG pajamas. I didn't promise anything. <laughs> and um, uh, I know you guys didn't put reading on here, but uh, sometimes well, yeah. I actually read <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> what? Uh, uh, one of my uh, friends sent me a whole bunch of really awesome papers and articles from Harvard Business School on leadership. So that's oh, what nice. I've been studying up on. Uh, I've been listening to a podcast called Sacred Symbols. Uh, the main host is Colin Moriarty mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Reagan Maldonado, I think that's his name. Uh, it's ba- basically a gaming podcast, uh, mainly focused on Sony. And I know Sony uh, last week was in big in the news because they're pulling out from E3 next mm-hmm. year. So just Whoa. yeah, I didn't just, hear that. Yeah, they're pulling like, out E3. So we should talk about that first as your topic. Time in uh, 24 uh, years or something. I, now I have two yeah. topics. Cause I actually, have <laughs> <laughs> okay. cool. I don't want to step on your toes. Yeah, but like I feel like we we could. Really yeah, talk yeah, yeah, about yeah, that. yeah. Um, but yeah, that and I've been reading a book called uh, The Black Boy by Richard Wright. So cool. cool. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and shift it to our next topic. Uh, I'm going to start us off here. To uh, we're going to go through some talking points. So. I'm going to start off by talking about, and I know that this is probably not as interesting now as it was three weeks ago, but Diablo (laughs) and mobile. And the reason I didn't want to talk about it until now is I wanted to fully play the game for myself on the Switch before I discussed it. Okay. The Switch is a great port of Diablo 3. I might have to get that. My thinking on this is what the hell is wrong with everyone? Diablo is practically a game built for mobile. <laughs> it feels and plays like a game ready for mobile. It's a it's a click it's a click dungeon crawler. I mean, you could literally I mean, when you used to play it on PC, you would just you would tap where you were going, you would tap your ability. like you that can all be done on a touchscreen. Playing on the Switch was a great experience. They uh, they made some of the menus easier to navigate um, hmm. from the old PC version and it 
plays smooth. It plays great. So I don't understand why people are so upset because I feel like this game is kind of perfect for mobile and is a game I would love to have in my pocket and carry around with me and be able to pull out every once in a while because that's how I've been enjoying Diablo. Not in really long playthroughs and when people would complain about, oh, but the story, mobile game stories aren't as good. I'm like, nah, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. Mobile game story. They, some of them have great stories. Mm. That's just, again, belittling an entire platform because you think it's less than the validation of your crazy expensive computer that you're trying to use. It's a good, it's a good way for that game to get in more people's hands it seems like a great way to spend 10 minutes if you're stuck in a, a line somewhere. You got, you know, you, you're at the DMV and you need to play a game for an hour and you didn't bring your Switch with you. Awesome. I think it'll be great for that. I, I think it's ridiculous, the outrage, and I feel like it's a game that's going to be amazing for mobile. Here's my question. You guys might know more than me. Uh, did, did they announce that a Diablo game was coming? Yeah. And then reveal at the conference yeah. that it was going to be yeah. mobile. No, but they just nope. That's not exactly how it went down. How did Diablo it go down? Four is still being built, and yeah. they said that they said Diablo Four is still in development. Okay. But well, then they they didn't say that at the show initially. Diablo Four was announced. They said they were working on it after the announcement of the mobile game. People were upset, at, and we Malik and I were yeah, on we podcast both with Giffy. went to BlizzCon. And yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they most of these fans are upset is because. They announced they they g Blizzard gave out big hints that they were announce a Diablo game. Yeah. So they came, went to the ups, uh, assumptions that it will be Diablo. But 4. But the word had already gotten out that Diablo Four was being made. Yeah. Yeah. So when they say they're going to announce a game, yeah. it felt like you already know Diablo Four is coming. Of course they're going to announce something different. There was some type of entitlement from fans. Or yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. What's that? So yeah. I think that's like that's something that's just like a bigger like huge issue right now and like playing devil's advocate i hate touchscreen technology i hate this so much i like keys and buttons i don't want to play anything on my phone unless no, I, you play unless marvel i got strike arrows no dude i don't like touching shit <laughs> i bet if you i hate play, this i bet if you start playing marvel strike I, force i'd hear from you a week later and you'd be like hey man i like probably up my team and probably like <laughs> it's the principle of it i think touchscreen <laughs> is the stupidest technology of all time well, I, mean, I think it's so dumb it saves screen real estate otherwise it's just stupid there's, there's some games that work Phenomenal on mobile, like Hearthstone. I'm sure. Like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Like uh, I don't know if the the. Um, Dude, I Magic love Magic Duels on the iPad. Okay, it's on the iPad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Hearthstone. I feel like there's just like a lot of. I don't want to say. I don't. I don't know if entitlement is the right word, but I feel like there's a lot of uh, angst in that. These these decisions, these products are being made for people, and it, they don't have to be for you. Uh, but if you, you vote with your dollar, and if they didn't have the data to show that mobile games don't sell like crazy, then they wouldn't have made this game. So acknowledge the fact that somebody wants this game big time, and yeah. people are going to download it like crazy. And if you don't like the idea of it, then don't download don't it. Yeah. But, but it's going to do so well. Yeah, it's it's going to kill it. On it's probably going to kill. It's going to kill. Right and yeah. they're going to see that, and they're going to be like, we got to keep making mobile games. Everyone yeah. wants to do that. Yeah. I mean, you have more experience in this from your world, so why don't you explain to us, like, how big the mobile industry is? Well, I actually wanted to say something else. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I think what it boils down to is an us-versus-them mentality. Mm -hmm. So there's the OG players, and that's us. Yeah. Okay? And, like, Blizzard has this cool heritage, and they all play D&D &D together, and they made games that, you know, m it brought that 
storytelling and that experience to digital. And now there's them. They're the casual players. They're the stay-at-home moms. They're everybody in China and yeah. South Korea. And people feel like, hey, you know, for over a decade, you were making shit for us. Mm-hmm. And... And doesn't that mean something to you, Blizzard? No, you all are money grabbers, and now you're serving them. Yeah. And I think that is where all the anger comes <laughs> and from. And I'm going to play devil's advocate in that, and this isn't necessarily a hot take, but you and I both played Diablo 3 on the Switch. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most mind-numbing, turn-your-brain-off games I have possibly ever played. When you want to talk about hardcore And gamer, we played hard is, mode, too. We played it on hard, and we're like, this is so <laughs> kind of like, Tap 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 tap. Okay, I'm gonna fall asleep. All right. I love I love Diablo, and I'm stoked for Diablo Four. Didn't even know it was coming. I don't keep up with this shit, but it'll come out one day, and I'll be like, oh, download, gonna play that. Stoked for that now that I know about it. But like, it's hard for me to grasp the mentality of like a company made this thing. And I don't have to get it, but I'm upset that they made it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's forcing you to buy this thing. No one, like, and this is an announcement that nobody expected. So this is something that wasn't even on your radar. It's not like they're taking something away to give. But I guess people wanted that Diablo 4 announcement. And they were like, this they're is why I came to BlizzCon. Yeah, yeah. I came for the Diablo Some, 4 announcement. As said in the chat room, and I did hear this complaint sometimes. The thing is, there was a vast majority of complaints, not just one. Sure. One of those complaints was, oh, it's just a reskin of a mobile game from this company in Asia. Surprise. A lot, a lot of times. A yeah. lot of them are. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Now, obviously, Blizzard has a huge hand in that. They may use the same engine. They may use similar assets. You know how many games yeah. are built on the Crytek engine, and it's just a reskin of Crisis? Like, that's that's happens all the time. It saves you money. It saves you development costs. It allows the game to come out quicker. Yeah. Well, also, okay, so um, <laughs> I don't know why I did this. I must hate myself, but I, li- okay, I found, I Googled, um, and I found YouTube videos of people who were complaining about this issue, mm. and I just wanted to get in their mindset, so I listened to this 14-minute uh, video of this yeah. guy who said why this is bad for Diablo fans, mm-hmm. and he brought up a lot of interesting points, and he said it with such conviction. If I didn't have insight into the games industry, I would agree with him, and I yeah. would believe with him. And one of the uh, examples he gave, and he gave so many good ones, and and his tone wasn't angry; it was more like we need to advocate to do something. Yeah, and it's people like that that fuel the fire on Twitter and the hate speech, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one one of his examples was that he loves Pokemon, and he said Pokemon Go. Um, has, you know, is one of the most uh, giant success stories on mobile. And he said, Pokemon Go doesn't embrace what Pokemon, the game, is. It's it's a very shallow interaction, right? Mm. But he's saying because Pokemon Go is so successful, those casual gameplay mechanics i know you guys if you're listening in podcast maybe you can't see my fingers but those casual game it. yeah game <laughs> she's yeah, doing air quotes <laughs> air quotes um those casual gameplay mechanics are going to make it make their way into our console and pc games and water down these games and make them less hardcore you know and like i can cut <laughs> at least click 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 that's all you do <laughs> yeah 
but but you know what like to be fair i could like kind of see this argument right mm-hmm. where you know in his mind there are these business devs at the top of the company he, they don't even understand or maybe care about gameplay yeah they see like hey all you got to do is spin the pokeball and flick your finger let's make all pokemon games like this and you know f- that that is just a bunch of ignorance yeah but somebody who is a member of the game development community i do feel like game development should be more transparent about these things otherwise the fans build their own narratives and they're just completely wrong yeah i think i i, I see that but, and why, but, but i could understand where like some people might be mad like i can see from that point of view not mad but like upset or sad uh because i feel like our generation and older we have a certain, like, we expect this out of a video game. And recently, there's a younger generation who are buying these loot boxes and whatnot. And, you know, pay-to-play games are huge for the younger generation. So companies are saying, yeah, like, we're going to make more of those because they make us a ton of but money. But would anyone argue that Fortnite is a less hardcore game? It's one of the hardest games I've ever it's played. It's yeah, super hard. hard. Yeah. But that kind of stuff is, like, I... And I'll just argue with myself. I don't think that that's a problem because I feel like those games are being added supplementally, supplementarily. Is that a word? Uh, I think we are still getting those games that we want. It's a complaint that always cracks me up because there are more games being made in general across the board than at any time ever in history. It's the same with movies and TV when people complain about certain things like, oh, there's going to take away my thing. Your thing still exists and more of it. Exactly. You want hardcore games? More of them are being made now than ever before. The amount of weird niche games that you can find that do exactly the one thing you like. I think about this with you all the time. Time. You love very specific kinds of like city builder, mm-hmm. group building games, and there are so many small games that fit exactly into that niche mm-hmm. that just that you. I've got like, like ten of those games that are out right now that, that I can you're play. like that's my thing. Yeah, uh, the, the, it's all it's I, uh, it's all relative, but it, it's silly. I just feel like people get really upset about things because they want to be upset, and I don't understand it at all. I try to understand their viewpoint, try to hear them out, and it just sounds like a baby. To me, just well, a baby. Also, I think we will all agree here that pay to win is a yucky experience, Don't right? Love it. That being said, I've also worked with foreign mobile developers and publishers, and in countries like China, that consumer is more used to that because they don't yeah. they don't know anything else, and uh, they're actually more okay. Like Americans tend to not spend money on apps and on their phone. Right. Uh, that's like for schmucks, right? And you should be able to win and have fun without even you know spending a penny. Um, but it's not that way in other countries, which is interesting because they're more likely to support developers mm-hmm. in my perspective but pay to win sucks and the mobile games industry it's so rampant right now and diablo is even though it is kind of like oh i'm just click 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 you're like spamming uh you know your x or your a button I bet you could go i bet you could go really deep into this and that it has something to do with the cultural mindsets of winning versus experiencing mm-hmm. yeah Oh yeah, people. It, it, at least in America, they want you to win, win now, and, and they want to get. Somebody has a shortcut to winning. Yeah, it is really yeah. interesting. Fuck that! Unless yeah. it's our president, yeah. then it's fine. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> cultural thing in America. <laughs> but what I was gonna say is, you know, I to me the most fun part of Diablo is the sense of discovery 
when you're like, ooh, what is this legendary shield of the... Mm-hmm. Uh, I put that on, and it has a really cool effect, uh, you know, like an area of effect, and yeah, it makes yeah. me feel powerful as I'm leveling up. You know, that's really cool, and I could see a situation where people are afraid that all those kinds of the cool like, discovery things are behind a paywall now in Diablo, you know? Like, mm. I, I understand... Where there could be some concern. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I just think it's maybe like an overreaction. It's a huge overreaction. It's also like, what? yeah, if you don't love things and you want things to be made a certain way, you can make your voice heard. But it's also just like you got the other thing coming out still. So what? what's the real complaint the here? Same, I mean, at the same time, everyone – I think the people who get upset – the thing that blew my mind the most, when I hear all these people getting upset and the, the, the obnoxious individuals at the actual event – calling them out on stage from the audience it's like what do you fucking expect these things cost money they take time personnel you love this brand you love blizzard and you're supporting them guess what it is the only major game company i can think of that's supporting games that are 10 years old yeah full teams behind them you have the every game that they have out right now has a full team dedicated. They're throwing a ton of money into games to maintain them. To like, maintain them. People aren't them. buying no these games anymore. Yeah. They, they deserve a little bit of your respect for that, and you can't expect them to drop a new game every year when you want it when they're continuing to support the things you still love from 10 years ago. That takes time and money and effort, and you, I feel like you as a as – a, they have earned your respect. So trust that they may put out a mobile game, but whatever they have planned for Diablo 4 has been in development for so long, it's going to be awesome. You'll probably love it. It'll have great cinematics, and you're going to go crazy about it. Just chill out. I got a quick question for you guys sure. that I've been thinking about. I feel like the, the Spider-Man game and Red Dead Redemption 2, mm-hmm. these are examples of games that... We pay sixty dollars. It's sort of the standard price for games. These are examples of games that I would pay one hundred and fifty for. Yeah. Uh, do you think we should have different tiers of like this is a standard price for this type of game that you might get a few hours out of, and oh, this is a standard price because I feel like people there is so much it. money that goes into making a game, but I don't know because well, I think if you charge more to say that we won't put loot boxes in here, but we have to charge eighty bucks if we're not going to do that. Well, you have to understand like. These games are way harder to make than they used and to be. They already be. do that with the deluxe ones. And personally, games I, have been sixty dollars since the Xbox came out. Xbox, the first used Xbox, to be more they used to be more. Yeah, they, and, and they used to be more. SNES games right were like seventy bucks. Yeah, it's been fifteen years I, that they have stayed sixty dollars. I see game prices going up actually because they're actually cheaper than how they were yeah. when sixty four was out. They haven't adjusted to inflation at all. Yeah, and, and it's, it's going to it's going to happen again. I see it happening where games will be a little bit more expensive. Well, maybe they're already trying that with oh, the digital deluxe yeah. versions and yeah. things like that. And I know yeah. some people. People complain about it, but it's like, look, I'm in a position now. I have a job. Mm-hmm. So if there's a game coming out, I always purchase the digital deluxe version. And I'm like, I'll spend twenty extra dollars to support the work that went into this. Yeah. Because I know it's needed. Yeah, it's just cosmetic and I think it's silly, but also I think that game's worth more. Yeah. Spider Man's worth more than sixty dollars. It's it's totally worth more than sixty dollars. Yeah. yeah. You play it. All the way through the story is like a, a full 24 hours, but then you can continue playing and just doing and stuff. I'm <laughs> just having fun. Uh, for me, this is a really hard question to answer because mm-hmm. on one hand, you guys are enjoying Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I've heard such horrible crunch and people losing their jobs yeah. kinds of stories from that team for that specific game 
that it it like hurts it makes like yeah. i want to cry like it, it makes me so upset because i've i've crunched on games before and i see people who just had a baby or their spouse is sick and they're taking time away from their families to make these deadlines mm-hmm. so of course these people all they want to do is make entertainment for us and yeah. make us have fun and like you know, of course, they deserve money and, and games should cost more. On the other hand, I was such a poor kid growing up. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh. I I was on, I only owned two game consoles in my life from age like, you know, zero to 21. It was a Nintendo 64 uh, and a PlayStation 2. And later, my dad got me a Game Boy from a pawn shop, you know, and I was like so excited to like try a game like Final Fantasy, but I couldn't pay those games until they were uh, PlayStation. What it, what was it called? Classics or something? Where yeah. they were twenty dollars. Yeah. So um, this is an interesting activity that a lot of community managers do in games. They won't use their employee discount to buy the game. They will use their own money, so they understand what it feels like to spend sixty dollars plus DLC. You know, right. eighty dollars or more, and that's why. You know, like, it's easy for us to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to give another $25 to get the deluxe edition, which is awesome. But if you're in high school, and I I feel like kids today need games like Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. $60 is so much money. That might be the only game you get to play all year. Yeah. But that's the thing. I also remember when we were growing up. We're in a unique position. We run an entertainment games channel. We get to try a lot of these new games. Growing up, you usually did just have one game mm-hmm. per year. Yeah. And you'd work, you'd research, you'd read the magazines, you'd figure out what's that one game. And that's why when I talk to people like Matt, he's like, oh, I played this, I played this, I played this. I'm like, I, I had that one game. You know, it's like, I'm going to play that game for the year. I'm going to play NBA Live 95 until 1997. <laughs> and then I'm going to find the next game, you know? Yeah. And then I was going to play Spawn. Never beat it. Get mad. But every day, play that, play that, play that. Um. I, yeah, I played a lot of bad games. Naeem, what do you? What? I, you know, I, I was happy that you were playing games. <laughs> but that was it. I mean, you'd, you'd get the one game for the year, and and I mean, that's another greater question. I think is like, are we owed that? You know, like these things are expensive to make. Why are we owed a game at a certain price point? I mean, yeah, it's cool for kids to play it, but are we owed it? Isn't it more important that the people working on it are getting a fair wage and people are being paid properly for their product? When I go to the movies, I spend 16 bucks on a ticket, and then I'm buying a drink and some popcorn and a hot dog. I walk out, I've spent $33. <laughs> that is half the price of a game. <laughs> and it's a three-hour And experience. it's a, like, yeah, and sometimes even two. It's like a two-hour experience. And then I can play Spider-Man for the rest of forever. Like, I can literally just sit there and play Spider-Man yeah. forever. Uh, and I'm, I'm paying only twice as much. So, it's, yeah, it's an interesting question. How much is worth it? I don't know. I think uh, we got way off track. So yeah. Sorry about that. No, 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 it's, it's my an interesting fault. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't write down in the document what we should talk about, so that's yeah, all. Yeah, why'd you just throw that mystery at us? Uh, well, next mystery, let's shift over to Naeem. Naeem. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, recently, well, not recently, a couple months ago, I went had my first camping experience with Lucas and a bunch of other people, Adam, uh, Chris Romante, uh, Bert. Um, oh, we had a bunch of people. Yeah, it was a bunch of people, and I thoroughly enjoyed it a lot. Ooh, it was your first camping? Nature. Yeah, it was my first camping oh. experience. Um, I, I'm from New York, so mm-hmm. I'm City groomed boy. to walk everywhere. So, yeah. uh, 
I didn't mind the actual walking and hiking through this uh this new place, uh, Kings Valley, you went to uh, Kings Canyon. Kings Canyon, oh, yeah. nice and it's beautiful. Uh, just being out there with no l- or little to technology and just enjoying and embracing the nature, it was very calming and just soothing for me. And I just loved being out there. So it it made me. On top of that, I always loved, like I said, I walk everywhere when I was in New York, living there, and I often loved hiking. So combine those two, uh, just made me enjoy just wanting to do it more camping mm. or hiking and uh yeah so i i just wanted to express my love for just being in nature uh or when i drove up to um seattle and i had to drive up through oregon and just being in that environment Crazy, right? it's that it's drive amazing is yeah yeah it had to, had to drive over the mountains because i think when we went it was like around over past mount shasta yeah oh which is crazy it's kind of scary yeah it is because when we went, the, the roads, the main road was closed, so we had to go through the back way, which was like one little road, and it was like 60, 50, 40 degrees cold, and uh, the roads were iced out, and we had to like drive through a mountain, and even though that was scary, I still enjoyed it because I was out in yeah. nature, and it makes me want to do even more uh, stuff like that. Ho- hopefully, maybe in the next few weeks, I'll be able to go to Idlewild, which apparently is gorgeous from what Alex uh I can't remember his last name, but he's been a roommate of yours here. Oh, neat. Alex. Yeah, yeah. neat. Um, um, so uh, I feel like I need, like, every month or two, I'm like, I got to get out of this city. Yeah. I, like I got to get away from my phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and this weekend, I went up to the Alabama Hills, mm-hmm. which I already talked about a little bit, but um, I surprisingly just had really good cell service. And I was like, on one hand, this is really cool because I can, like, I can, you know, I can tweet pictures and stuff and uh, I can just read and listen to podcasts as I'm going to bed. But like, on the other hand, I was like getting a little stressed out because like, <laughs> right. oh my God, you I'm checking email. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's kind of like when we go home. Yeah. Going home for us. We don't have cell service. It's kind of like going camping. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, you're, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I think Lucas and I both, and I've talked to Malika about this many times. When I feel like an outsider to this world, to this community, it's because of how much I need to be away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sometimes feel, and I know she always tells me I'm using the word improperly, but I feel like an imposter and this kind of gaming tech and everything. I've always loved tech, but I had to drive away to the mountains a couple of weeks ago just to clear my head. And on the drive back, I'm just like, ah, this is, yeah, this feels great. And I'm listening to like some really artsy uh, drone music and and I think that's one of the reasons we talked about why we should do this podcast is I feel like being a part of this community being a gamer being an entertainment personality since we all have such different interests mm-hmm. that might not always align with what is considered to be the stereotypical gamer nah and yeah I feel that definitely yeah and we're 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 kids of the woods. Yeah. We I mean, grew up in the middle of friggin' nowhere and like for us I think being outside is almost more natural than being in the city inside. For yeah, sure. I'm constantly like, I don't know if I really fit into this world. Like, I love playing games, but I don't know if gamers would think I'm a gamer or that kind of thing. Or I don't know if people would think I'm like like a tabletop no, role player Same. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know the rules very well of all these games that I play. I just know I'm like 75%. But whenever I get home, 
you know, I, I'm out camping and I'm thinking those things and then I get home and I'm like, I'm working on my computer for eight hours, taking it apart and putting it back, back together. And it's like, no, I think maybe I am a nerd. Yeah. I could probably <laughs> say that. I don't yeah. know. It's it's tough. I feel it though. And I think it's important you for other people to know. You feel nerd imposter syndrome. I do. Yes. And I think it's important for other people to know who want us to play tabletop games. Like, like I said, me playing Magic with friends here is the first time I've ever been a part of a game group. And that's not just because I don't like those games. It's because I've never felt like I actually belong in those kinds of communities. I've never felt like I've been a part of the gaming community. Even though Lucas and I have made content for gaming for a long time, I don't think either of us have ever fully felt like we would be embraced by it yeah. and have stayed on the outskirts of it, which is probably our own fault. But I think a lot of that is I know I feel way more comfortable like out in the woods, away from people, away from noise, away from... All of those distractions. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm telling you, man, we just got to do it. We got to do an RPG in the woods. It's gonna be great. Let's yeah, go. I'm the opposite. <laughs> Let's I, go. I was growing. I was uh, around games and tech all throughout growing up until you know I moved out for college and whatnot. And when I was got my first experience of just hiking, I embraced it so much and I loved it. And I just wanted more of it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was uh, when we went uh, camping, I was just all into it and I want to do more of it. So I very much appreciate uh being out there in the woods and whatnot and on top of that my on my mother's side they're from south carolina so they're all in the backwoods as well so yeah. every summer i had to go down and sort of embrace that as well my little Which sister part of south carolina uh camden near sumter uh so I they're love south carolina yeah they are like my parents have a house built on the outskirts because they don't want to be in the city they moved out of new york after my dad retired and they have a, a, a house in the backwoods, no mm-hmm. internet for me, no cell service, similar to you guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's dad, their dad. Dad's in the chat. Our dad is in the chat room saying, Naeem dude, should come. Dude, I love it. Bring him home. To our place. <laughs> Beautiful nothingness. Naeem. Dude, I love it. Where their parents' houses, it's so dark at night, you can't see your hand in front of your face. I, I know. Now I, that I, I know dad's yeah. watching, yeah. I'm going to share, like, Malika, when I first took her back home for the very first time, one of the first things she said, she's like, I'm from a third world country, and this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> How quiet was it? Like, it was, and oh, it was oh, so, so quiet. quiet. I love it. I it's love that. It's really quiet. I it's love nothing. that. You're not going to hear planes going overhead? There's mm-hmm. only like, you, there's like one track, I think, every once in a while. I remember it used to be a thing. Like, if a plane was in the sky, you were like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Where's that going? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Whoa, and if you heard like a big rig or something on the road, you were like, what? What's that? Where's that going? Mm-hmm. What's that going to be? You could Okay, it's so quiet. We could know from just playing in our front yard. The highway was a, up on the hill. You couldn't see the highway. Mm-hmm. It's not even really a highway. What would they call it? I mean, I know. I got a road trouble. that isn't it's dirt. It's a road that's not dirt. It's mm-hmm. paved. Mm-hmm. It's a paved state road. If uh, you could tell who in the neighbor who in the town had just like come back to town based on the sound of the vehicle on oh. the road and the distance. <laughs> yeah. You knew who was who. We knew when dad was coming home from a mile away. Wow. Oh, oh, yeah. Dad, dad's about to. I mean, he had a Harley too. So you could. Oh, okay. Yeah. But still, you knew which vehicles were what just from the sound. It's so quiet. It's very different. I love that. I don't know. I Once you told me that once you had a car and you just started, sometimes you would just drive off the road. Shh, dad's watching. For no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what kind of life is this? Mom and dad are watching. Shut up. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you can, why not? (laughs) See what this does. (laughs) 
it's fun. Well, there's a trail on the side of the highway. I wonder where it goes. Take it. <laughs> or yeah, and then you know, in my mind, I'm like, so I grew up in Florida, but it was like very suburban, and I'm thinking like, if you drive your car off the road, you go into somebody's house or a business yeah. or a building. Yeah. And you guys are like, nah, there's grass. Yeah. You know? That's woods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, somebody owns that land, but they won't They know. won't care. <laughs> they, they won't, won't know. know. <laughs> and they have out. like 20 other acres. If you don't have a gate closed that says no trespassing, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> would would, would you. it be a shocker that to say that I love driving tractors? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I do. 100%. I do. I, do. I, I, I love this. Dri- would this surprise you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Like Do we still have that old tractor? I that think old so. Ford? Hey, Dad. <laughs> we still got that old 19, what is it, 38 or something like that? I don't know. Wait, you guys old. have a tractor? Yeah. yeah. But well, you, you don't have a farm. What? You still so need a tractor. Gr- you need to mow the grass. I well, think it's he uses it, oh. it to... Uh, <laughs> Not for that. You can't mow the driveway. Yeah. Whenever the it, it whenever it rains really hard because it's down a hill, it, the driveway gets washed out. So you hard. use uh. this tractor to push your driveway I don't around. Use it. I've never driven it. <laughs> I I hope I never have to. It seems like an awful time. <laughs> you never had to do the tractor? No, I don't think so. I, like oh, how I had to do the it. tractor. I had to do the tractor numerous times. I like how you said your first job was moving rocks. Oh yeah, they paid us to pick up rocks in the yard. <laughs> Why is that weird? I don't see. Oh There's no, a lot Dad of... sold the tractor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, shucks. Hyper RPG presents naive driving. <laughs> All right, I guess I I mean, you'll never want to come to our place. We don't have a tractor. We don't anymore. have a tractor anymore. Oh, All right, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna yeah. still got a tractor. We're probably. gonna get, get back on topic. Okay, Naeem. let's shift. <laughs> let's shift. We're gonna shift. We gotta shift. Wait, I had a, I had a question for Naeem. Yeah. Naeem, what's on your um outdoorsy bucket list now <laughs> that you've been uh, camping? Well, I want well. Is skydiving or wing gliding up on there? I'm just imagining Naeem's room with a bunch of pictures of tractors. No, it's not not that extreme, but, like, I loved it when my grandfather taught me how to drive. And that's how I... No, it's honestly pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's very therapeutic. I've never driven a tractor, but I think that it's awesome when people do. (laughs) It's like, seem really cool. I was always really stressed out. Really? Oh, man, the old one? Because I I can't remember. Dave's, I don't think, was as old as ours. I, I drove both of them, but I remember... Dave one time made me uh, mow his big field behind his shop, and that tractor was really old too. And just like something that old, mm-hmm. every you feel every rock, yeah. every bounce, and the thing's just like doing this, and you're like, "Fuck shit!" There's so much horsepower, and you go to hit the brakes, and sometimes it take a really long mm-hmm. time to respond. Yeah. Everything felt kind of like, "Oh fuck, fuck, fuck <laughs> shit!" <laughs> you just really stressed the whole time. Yeah. You get done, you feel like you were in a fight because your whole body is just. And there's no seatbelt on it, crap. so you have to like yeah. <laughs> try to hold your butt onto the seat. And I know tractors have come a long yeah, way. I know. A long way since then. Y- y- y'all need like the high-tech Tractor 3000. Yeah. <laughs> tractor 3000. That's a good, that's a good that's model. That's a good model, yeah. 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 Uh, John Deere Tractor 3000. Yeah, I, I would love to go skydiving or wing gliding. Yeah. Too, All right. One day. That's so. crazy. I want to pilot a, um, a glider. I've pl- piloted a Cessna before, so. Yeah. All right, well, we should shift, or we're going to run out of oh, time. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Malika. Oh, so I wrote down my topic is improv comedy, because I've been taking classes every weekend now, Saturday and Sunday, for what? Uh, I spend seven hours a week on just improving my improv, and it's been an incredible experience at Groundlings. This is my first time... Um, 
that I've actually had quite a diverse class and teacher. I thought Groundling was really cool that both the person who was auditioning me and then my friend's teacher were both, uh, you know, black men. I was like, well, mm-hmm. this is awesome, you know, to have uh, that in improv because, you know, like look at SNL. We've never really had Asian representation on SNL yeah. uh, in this space. So uh, that was really cool. And uh, my teacher and I got into a really interesting conversation. It was the first time in my life I was able to sit down and talk to another comedian about, uh, you know, representation issues in comedy. And he challenged me to create more characters that were inspired by my heritage. And I said, you know what? Um, I feel like some of my friends feel uncomfortable when I do that because there's a negative connotation to the way some people speak, Mm. like my mom and my dad. Yeah. And... It's not an insult to their intelligence. Oh, my God. My dad knows like five languages, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, socially, there is negative connotations to that. And, you know, honestly, my teacher just said, fuck those people. And I think that's all I really needed to have some courage to be like, yeah, you know, we can own that. And he said, never let anybody label you that. But that's for you to play in. And he said, no, because... There's no, you know, there's no Asian people in my class. Um, nobody can do that but you. So when you want to play there, you get to play there. But nobody puts you there, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I thought that was just so interesting because in my last improv class at another school, you know, somebody said something kind of, uh, you know, st- stereotypical of Asian people to me. Or even on Saturday, uh, we had to make up, you always make up names for each other. And somebody called me Watanabe and I'm not even Japanese. And he said, you know, uh, it happens to him all the time, you know, as a black person. And people will call him like Tyrell. And he'll be like, eh, Tyrell can be this or Tyrell could be like this. You know, he he has that choice and he has that power. And I thought that was really cool. Like mm-hmm. one other mentor kind of passing the torch down to another person and being like, no, Malika, you have the power. And I, I guess I want to spread that out to everybody in the chat room. And then uh, one of the things that I've been working on, and this is maybe something we could talk about and discuss, is... Uh, For a long time, when I see really incredible actors, characters, uh, performers on TV, I always admire their commitment. Uh, People who are so committed to like a bit, an emotion, a certain point of view that always really, really impressed me. And I always wanted to be like, oh, so committed. But I realized yesterday my problem wasn't commitment. And my teacher said I'm one of the most committed performers to a character's emotion. It's my problem that I actually need to work on is trust. And it's trust in myself is trust in my performers and my partners and the other players and it's trust in everything that i've learned and my teachers so um you know i i was thinking about you know the reason why i started taking improv classes was to be better at um creating an entertaining show while we play tabletop rpgs here at hyper rpg and i i asked myself you know the times when I was a GM, the times when I was a player, did I trust myself in that situation? Did I trust the other players at the table? And did I trust my GM? And, um, you know, it's, I haven't always felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I personally am going to challenge myself to trust everybody at the table that we're all here for the same thing. We're all trying to create a good time and a great show for everybody else. So, yeah, 
I think my only experience improvising mm-hmm. is playing role-playing games. Sure. Uh, but I, I think there's nothing more satisfying than whenever you're going for something and you see someone across the table pick up on it and then they go with you to yeah. that thing. Like they know where you're trying to go. Especially on a, a show like Troll Hunters. Yes. Whenever, whenever you go for a joke and somebody <laughs> picks it up and, and then you guys take that joke somewhere fun. Mm. That, well, also, that's, that's we've been sitting really across from each other in Troll Hunters yeah. a lot. And yeah. I... Um, <laughs> I didn't get to talk last episode. Yeah. It's so funny because <laughs> it's... It was, it was, uh, my favorite was uh, last last week, so our show, Troll Hunters, this RPG show that we're doing, it's D&D. Uh, it's like you get to troll us, and we are hunting trolls. We're like good hunters, uh, but you get to throw trolls at us. Matt's, Matt gives an emotional speech, and he stands up, and he like makes everybody stop to listen. Uh, and then like during his emotional speech... I stand up and <laughs> my emotional speech. <laughs> I'm like, you finish, but I'm going to do that too. That's so fun whenever you can like – improv is, is like it's a about real – It's about support and trust, a yeah. Real, real art that's so hard to do, but like whenever you do it, it's mm-hmm. real fun, I guess. I think we should um, go ahead and shift. Okay. Keep it moving. Sure. We're running low on time. It's just well, what time we got to go? Uh, well, I, I just want to make sure we have time to set up for the rest of the shows today. Cool. Since we were already. I have a quick today. question from Matt. We had a meeting this morning. He w- he's been trying to brainstorm some hashtags for our community to encourage everybody to go out to their local game store, grab some friends, meet some strangers, and game with each other. And um, you know, I, I had this story when I was a kid growing up in South Florida. We had this thing. It was called Vamos a, a la Playa. It means we go to the beach. And that was a day when we all went to the beach, like the city of Miami, together. And mm-hmm. we would, you know, listen to music from other, you know, Pitbull and reggaeton. <laughs> like, it, it was a really cool mm-hmm. cultural moment. And I and I told Matt, like, what if we had a hashtag, but we encourage other people, uh, if they had a different language than English that was their native tongue or that they play games in, to also translate that hashtag and, like, use those two hashtags together. And he really liked that idea. And I, I wanted to know... You know what so you guys gonna, thought about that. We're gonna kind of put that, that out to the community. Sure, I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, Monica M. Art. When we switch over to the side station, I'll be able to get to all your questions and see all your stuff. But we're gonna go ahead and shift to Lucas. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're all <laughs> we're all talking about personal stuff today. So here we go. Uh, Jack Reacher. I don't know if you guys saw this dumb, awesome movie. It's being rebooted, but not for movies. It's being rebooted for streaming series. And Tom Cruise is out as the lead guy because he's too short. This is what the writer of the book says. Wow. Uh, so these books are apparently pretty popular. I don't know anything about the books, but yeah, I've seen both movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so let me just read some quotes here. So the author of the book, Lee Child... Uh, he wrote Jack Reacher to be a six foot five with hands of the size of dinner plates man. <laughs> Tom Cruise is five foot seven. So he was not too pleased about the casting originally. I, I mean, he had nice things to say about Tom Cruise. He's like, he's a nice guy and I loved working with him. But like, I originally envisioned the role for someone else. Um, also, uh, fans of the book were super upset about this. I had no idea. Fans of the book were like, no, Jack Reacher's tall. What are you doing? I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But here's what uh, Lee Childs had to say. The idea is that when Reacher walks into a room, you're all a little nervous just for that first minute. And Cruz, for all his talent, didn't have that physicality. So what I've decided to do is... There won't be any more movies with Tom Cruise. Instead, we're going to take it to Netflix or something like that. Long-form streaming television with a completely new actor. 
Okay. So there was a Jack Reacher 2 in 2016. It was Did awful. Well. Yeah. I saw the first one. First I one it, was amazing. I thought it was hilarious and fun. Uh, Maybe not the best example of, like, the ultimate. Like, it felt like... Someone knew the writer wanted to make a Steven Seagal movie, yeah. but instead the director was smart enough to be like, oh, we know what you want, and well, it's going to be this. <laughs> I think that that is like – I think that that's why it worked, and I think if it – and I think that that's like sort of – like this writer needs to kill his darlings. Uh, also, can I just say I don't believe – a fucking word of that. I think <laughs> Tom Cruise was like, I'm not interested in doing Jack Reacher anymore. <laughs> and the writer was like, You're Oh, too short. well, he wasn't meant to be. Because who, who writes a book and then, you know, a studio comes to you and you're like, hey, we're going to make your book a movie. And we got Tom Cruise, one of the most famous action stars of all time, if not the most famous action star, to be the lead. And he's like, mm, Tom Cruise is too short. Can you get a taller guy, please? Like, I want movie this to go to Netflix, sell. and I want an actor that we haven't seen on screen for 10 years. But I think that Tom Cruise's size is what made it good and self-aware, that first one. Because if you imagine, like, what he's saying is like, okay, The Rock walks into a bar. Mm-hmm. Everyone one's going to be scared. Okay, that's not very interesting in my mind. Sure. What the they movie did walking tall. What yeah, exactly. What they did was basically like the John Wick slash Roadhouse route where here is a very unsuspecting guy yep. but you say his name, Jack Reacher, and it, then you look at him you're like what this guy <laughs> this guy and then you try to fight him and he's a fucking badass like i think that that's really cool and they leaned into it and made it fun, but i haven't read the book so i feel like the director probably and the writers of this movie probably got together and they're like, I don't think we can make this into a good movie the way that he wants it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make this a little bit more self-aware. Yeah. But I like, think that this series, I don't really know where they're going to go with it, but I, it feels like from what I'm reading from the books, it's got sort of like maybe this homeland kind of yeah, feel yeah, yeah. of like there's a lot of like secret just corruption and Jack Reacher comes in. I mean, I, in. I feel like the first movie was popular enough that they're kind of – in trouble either way now because if a netflix show comes out and the minute people realize it's not like the first movie exactly no one's gonna watch it yeah and i think there's gonna be more people that watch the movie than read the book and that's just the way things are right and there are apparently like the books are very popular but i don't think that they're gonna be so popular that first of all you gotta have like you're just narrowing down you're funneling down like you start with people that watch or love the books and then you're narrowing down to those people in those people they have a streaming service and then within those people they watch the show but you're you're basically pushing out everybody else um so i guess my main question uh i'm tired of hearing tom cruise is too short the man is <laughs> five foot seven i am five foot four so my question <laughs> to you guys am i a joke to you am i a joke is it, am i funny is this should i even be on camera right now we'll see all of our shows are uh, people are sitting down should I? It's true. If I stood up right now, I would. My head wouldn't even go out of frame. <laughs> Everyone else would. So, hey, I'm I, shorter than you. Should I? It's true. I have that over some women, but that's about <laughs> it. That's about it. Uh, should I abandon my dreams of being an on-screen actor <laughs> that I've never revealed Wait, to anyone that, that's and that dream? aren't actually my dreams? Oh shit! <laughs> should I just go a separate route? I didn't know that was a dream. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. I would never be an actor uh, because they keep telling me that I'm too short. Uh, Is this – do you think that this is a big deal? Uh, That, Like you said, I I think it's a lot of BS. It's just trying to drum up some interesting – the fact that you're even talking about it right now means that the writer succeeded. Yeah. He's going to get people to go check it out now. Um, Just Tom Cruise. Zach and I, who both worked with very famous people of all (laughs) sorts of heights (laughs) – what is this statement? I, I don't know. Um, 
I think presence matters way friggin' more yeah. than your actual sure. height. Uh, that being said, you know, Lucas, I got my role in Iron Man 3 because I wasn't taller than Ben Kingsley. There it is. Yeah, so they want... Uh, so if you want to be a background, uh, you know, like hand washer for a for Tom Cruise yeah, <laughs> and his next film. Literally casted because I won't overshadow anyone. Right. Yes. Right. Great. Right. <laughs> If that's what you're saying, is you, well, that you was a whole heap of I, that was a whole heap of statements from Malika that I feel like encapsulate conversations <laughs> with Malika. Uh, I got I got to put my personal brand out there. <laughs> Y'all have heard it before who are listening, but there's this thing called remarketing. So I gotta re you know you I gotta remarket my you, brand. You might want to let 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 it go. <laughs> I've also worked with The Rock. He is oh, tall. Oh man, it's still going. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. I could. I could judge by all of his appearances. Yeah, on yeah. screen. Yeah, I think we've all figured that one out. But anyway, I think Tom Cruise is fine to be a good Jack Reacher. <laughs> I don't know. This is dumb. This is a dumb. Why is this even an article? I don't know. I mean, it, again, it succeeded. You're talking about it. Yeah. We just had a whole conversation. Lucas, you are enough. Well, <laughs> are we not going to read Dad's comment? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, Dad. I like that we had a whole conversation about growing up in the woods, and then we acknowledge that our dad is in the chat room, and his username is Barefoot Hillbilly. <laughs> yes. So when we talked about feeling a little outside the usual gaming audience, that uh, just icing on the cake. But what is the usual gaming audience, anyways? Well, anyway, we got to get to work. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for tuning in to Opening Shift. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. And thank you to Moon Rules for transferring this podcast and getting it up almost immediately. That's how you got that VIP badge in the chat. Uh, I'm going to be going live in just a minute with some kids on bikes. We're going to be learning the system today. I'm going to be sitting with the chat. We're going to read through the book. I'm going to read out loud to help me remember what I'm saying. And you'll hold me accountable. And then tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to play kids on bikes. It's going to be a one-shot test. You guys have to pick your characters. These are you okay. pick your characters. And we're just going to use the free RPG day one-shot session. And uh, we're going to do a quick one-shot tonight. I need to start learning the system because it will be the setting of the next show I'm GMing. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then after that, we have something really special and really secret. Luckily, Matt is in a place where he doesn't have internet. So we decided um, – Matt's been trying to get me to play Yu-Gi-Oh! forever. And I told him it was dumb and I never wanted to play it. So tonight – Naeem just gave me the most conniving look. He has it in him. Well, tonight, uh, <laughs> John is coming by, and uh, we're he's going to teach Naeem and I some advanced Yu-Gi-Oh! tactics. I'm going to learn Yu-Gi-Oh! tonight. That way, when Matt gets back, I'm going to still tell him it's dumb, but then I'm going to win. <laughs> so, friendship. You have to develop your Sato Kaiba kind of... I know nothing of okay, what you just never said. never mind. I know he's nothing the handsome about one. I don't know anything yeah. about Yu-Gi-Oh! Sick. He's he, he's like the arch nemesis he's of Yu Gi. Who's yeah. No, I no. Was that a jab? I was saying he was he's tall. clearly the lead. <laughs> <laughs> no, a short guy's a lead actually. No, Yugi. yeah, the short guy <laughs> is like the Midoriya kind of character. They do that a lot in anime. Yeah, like the short guy is often <laughs> like the underdog. Yeah, an, an also underdog. usually the whiniest of the characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like Vegeta. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's no Shinji, but okay, well. <gasps> Is that the ice cream truck outside? Oh, we got to go. It's Bye. time to go. Peace.